What up, guys? What's happening? Welcome into Creating Space. Really excited to get back in it. We've, we missed you guys during COVID. Finally able to have guests in uh, and be able to, to run the interview show. And I'm excited about the guests that we have in today. We got Nasser uh, El Arabi. Say that the right way. I was worried about it, man. Didn't want to disrespect my man uh, in any way because this is the real estate guru. This is an individual whose hustle is at 150% at all times. And uh, I'm really excited to have you into the Creating Space Studio. Nas, welcome, man. Thanks for joining us. Hey, man. First things first, thank you for having me, man. And um, I just appreciate being in this nice place. You know, I'm not used to nice things like this. <laughs> Listen, Wheelhouse Media Studio, I, I have to clean the floors <laughs> just to be able to come inside the space, man. Yeah. So definitely lucky to be here in, in Wheelhouse Media. Um, what's going on, man? What's happening? Hey, um, everything is fine. I can't really complain. Just trying to get through what we're currently going through as far as COVID, um, current issues and all that, man. So, but everything else, man, I just try to be grateful and keep a positive outlook. So let's start there, Nas. Yeah. Let's start with the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. It's a huge movement happening right now, and it's so important. Long overdue. Uh, and you've been a major player, specifically in the Charlotte market, using your platform and your voice for good, motivating individuals around you to take action, take charge. Um, how are you feeling right now with the current status of the Black Lives Matter movement? Um, I'm pleased with it. I'm pleased with it. Due to the last tragic event um, with George Floyd and... I'm starting to notice more people and corporations are starting to say, hey, there is a problem over here. I'm ready to admit it. So when I'm going through comments on, diff on different people's platform on the internet and all through social media, people have made comments like, yeah, I knew it was a problem. However, I was scared to speak up in the past due to I was afraid to what my peers would say. Right. For me speaking up on these African-Americans um, behalf, but now it's like, hey, look, I'm, I'm ready. I'm just done. I don't care how you feel about me. This is wrong. This is, there's obviously an um, inequality issue. Sure. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with it, what's going on. Now, you do have some corporations who are just speaking up because everybody else is speaking up. And I don't know if you're familiar, familiar with this, but um, as African-Americans, we're the number one consumer. Right. We yeah. have, I believe it's like $1 trillion we spend per year. Wow. Okay. So when you have that amount of spending power, these corporations know, like, well, I need to please these people. Now, you do have corporations like Ben & Jerry, Nike, um, multiple others who've been at Amazon, who've been vocal yeah. for a long time. And you have more that are becoming vocal, but some are just on it for, you know, just because it's the hottest new thing. Current event. But, yeah, the hottest new current event, but... With that being said, as long as we're getting awareness to the issues, that's what we need. We need awareness. Yesterday, uh, Congress put some legislation in. We'll see how far that goes. And, right. you know, we can get some real change this time. So what's been some of the uh, response that you've been excited about thus far? Like who's really impressed you, whether it be a brand or a celebrity or, or a friend? Who's really impressed you through uh, this entire moment in time? Okay, so, all right. I'm not going to put it. I'm, I'm, let me say this. Black and white people have impressed me. Okay. Okay. You have black people who are leaders in whatever space they're in who will never speak on a uh, social issue or any type of political issue because they're afraid they might offend their white audience. Okay. So they just stay in that middle road. 
So it's just countless people this time around that I'm impressed by. Wow. You know, that have actually used their platforms to post, even if it's as small as posting the blackout picture or the George Floyd um, picture, even if it's as small as that, they finally done something, yeah. which I'm, I'm happy about. Um, so it, it's all about just pushing awareness. You know, Absolutely. just like um, how how much traction the Me Too movement gained, which was great, and we needed that. Yep. And I don't know how how you grew up or where you grew up at, but I was a full grown adult, probably in my late twenties. Whereas, and from being single and and meeting women and realizing how much they all went through, their whole lives. Sure. You know, and I'm like, yeah, that is wrong. And with that movement, look how much, how many people they were able, you know, to get justice served. You know, join the conversation, right? Right, and join the conversation. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, th this is what we need. So, we, as far as the Black Lives Matter movement, and just more corporations speaking on, you know, he, he just like, look, everybody doesn't get equality. We have to admit that. We yep. have to have that conversation. Yeah, there's an original sin in America. Mm -hmm. You cannot, you have to have that conversation before we move on. And until we have that conversation and get the facts out, um, you know, we, we, we won't get anywhere. So we have to have that conversation. Most powerful narrative, in my opinion, on the internet right now is Sean King. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with Sean King? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely the modern day sort of Malcolm X, right. so to speak, using the internet in such a way to, to uh, generate a revolt, right? Yes. And a revolution. It's been incredible to watch that happen. What are your feelings on sort of those types of, of pages or humans, activists who are using their page uh, and generating sort of those types of visceral responses from individuals to wake people up? I mean, it, it's needed. All right, let me just give you a few examples. The Ahmad Arbery case happened in February. Right. That situation happened in February. It got to social media in April, all right? April started to gain traction on social media and going viral. Yep. I want to say um, probably end of April or May, that's when they got charged. There was um, the local police department had that case for three months, I believe. It's like February or January. They, they had that case for three months, okay? They told the family, hey, well, he was breaking in the house. He was in the midst of breaking in the house and someone was making a citizen arrest. And by that person making a citizen arrest, he fought back. The person um, defended themselves and killed them. The video hit the internet. He was not breaking in the house. He was running down the street. Okay, as he, he's a jogger, so he's running down the street. They blocked him off, tracked him down, and basically murdered the guy. Yep. So you have Breonna Taylor. Breonna Taylor um, was the African American woman in her apartment asleep, um, getting probably getting ready for work. She was the EMT worker. The police, dressed in plain clothes, did not announce themselves. Busted in the door looking for someone with um, a warrant, okay? Busting somebody, so somebody had a warrant out for their arrest. The boyfriend who was living there was um, armed, legally armed. So he shot one of the officers. Officers started shooting back. She got killed, okay? She, he's thinking someone's breaking them house, you know? And he's 
legally he can't defend his property, right? Well, not defend his property, but he's scared for his life. Somebody's breaking and entering, right? Sure. So, with that being said, they charge him for the assault officers. They said, "Oh yeah, we announced ourselves and charged him and gave him all these charges." This happened. I want to say this happened in March or uh, March or so, February or March. Due to people like Sean King, yep, people like Sean King, they got it out. It went viral. Like the first week of May, his charges got dropped. Okay, the and it came out that the person that they were looking for was already locked up, already in jail. So he's already in jail. That's egregious, man. So basically, what happened with these two officers happened? This is how I grew up in my neighborhood. They just said, hey, we're going to get this guy. They didn't call in the check. They didn't get nobody's permission. Right. They were just going to go violate rights by any means necessary. They were going to get whoever they were looking for. And by them doing this, they end up killing somebody. And as of today, they're still not charged. Wow. I didn't know they still weren't charged. There was, those two cops are still not charged. But um, to answer your question, we need those people like Sean King who are out there constantly putting out those messages because we're talking about, all right, so... The first Civil Rights Act was passed legally on paper in 64. Second one is 68. We're in 2020. We're still dealing with the same stuff. 100%. It's just being filmed now. Yeah, it's just being filmed now. Yep. You know, that's all it is. We're still dealing with the same stuff. We're just being filmed now. And so we just need those um, those pages like Sean King and the many other pages who put those out there, those social media um Leaders who have big followers who put that out there so that people can do anything. You know, like I'm on Ebony and S's email list, and um, and when these issues come through, I clicked on. That's how I learned about the Breonna Taylor thing, and then Sean King and all those things. And I actually donated money to the cause. Sure. Yeah, man. We 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 have to have those issues, and it's so bad you cannot discuss Black history without police. CIA or FBI involvement. You cannot discuss it. It's the those agencies are involved throughout all of black history. There's no era of black history you can discuss. And just to give you an example of what I'm saying to you, um, slaves arri- arrived here in 1600s, okay? So 1600s, that's allegedly when slaves start um, first came. Some people say it's um, early as 1400. Okay, so... When the slaves were kidnapped, raped, uh, murdered, the the worst thing, this is a new form of slavery, the worst form of slavery known to man that ever happened. All right. When you hear about slavery and religious books, no matter what religion of you, it's more like an indentured servant type of thing. Sure. Yeah. This is like real hardcore. Like this was never before done. Right. So with that being said, um, this. All right. So slaves got here. They then, same thing you have today, the media, well, the, the leaders at that time were pushing to the white people who are already here and basically saying, hey, be careful of them. They will rape your wives, rape your daughters. They will steal. Uh, they will lie. They will cheat, etc." So watch out for them. There was a monumental movie that was made that sort of depicted African, African-Americans or slaves at the time in that way that led to the revolt or like the formation of the Ku Klux Klan. It was incredible how the media at that time, where there was no television, right? It was only main, main screen stuff. Yeah. Had created a, a, a painting or a Absolutely. picture and a narrative 
uh, on the black community, and it completely shifted uh, in a meta way the entire society's viewpoint, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And it still holds true today. It still holds true today. So, yeah, we're talking about um, two, a 400-year-plus issue. So with that being said, you, um, the, poor, uh, the, the poor white people who couldn't afford slaves, what they would do is they would be slave catchers. Right, it would be slave catchers. That's how they would they would make their money to bring them back to the people who actually could afford slaves. Now, throughout all time in history, yes, you had white people who said, uh, "This is wrong, this sure. is wrong," and look, y'all can hide out here. Hey, look, I'm not going to do you like that guy over there. I do think this is wrong. Right. So that's where the origins of the police came from, from slave catchers. So 18, 1863, 1865, the Emancipation and the Proclamation was uh, signed. Now, in school, they, they tell us and basically like, yeah, Abraham Lincoln signed the, um, the bill, slavery over, everybody go home, um, bye-bye. That's not exactly true. What happened was the Union, after the Civil War, the Union had to walk on plantations and actually physically free these people because the slaves couldn't read or write because it was illegal for a black man to know how to read or write. Mm. So they couldn't read or write. They didn't know. So the slave owner was not going to tell them, hey, you guys are free. I can't have you no more. And they would, the union would walk around the plantations and free these people. All right. So from there, the slave owners were actually, you know, upset. How you doing us like that? Slave owners got reparations. Black people never got the uh, 40 acres in the mule. That never happened. All right, it was a promise, never happened, it was said, but it just never happened. Slave owners got reparations, okay? Then forward from there, let's say um, by 1920, there were multiple successful black communities, multiple across the whole country. And when I say uh, black communities, black-owned hospitals, um, black-owned banks, just, just everything you Colleges, need Colleges, HBCUs yes, started to everything. start. Yeah. They had everything. So, And HBCUs... Um, some of them was founded by um, black people. Some of them was founded by white people. Some of those white people had great intentions. Some of them was basically like, hey, look, I don't want you over here at our school, so we'll do a school for you over down here. So um, with that being said, you have multiple um, successful black communities also known as Black Wall Street. Okay? The, uh, it was multiple black Wall Streets. The most popular one was Tulsa, Oklahoma. That was bombed by the U.S. government. A white guy said, um, he got jealous and said, hey, um, one of those black people raped a white girl. So um, fights, wars started, and then the government came in and bombed the whole community. Yeah. All right. So. Wow. Yeah. And so you have that. Now, then you have lynchings. 80 to 85% of the people lynched were successful um, African-Americans whether they be business owners or successful doctors, wherever they are at that community. It was sending the message. So to this, fast forward to this day, you have, and I'm 37, fast forward to this day, I have met black guys, black people from the South, black people that told me that their grandmother said, hey, when you're moving out there to Charlotte, uh, don't disrespect a white man. Wow. Don't look him in the eye. Because that, that whatever happened then was passed, was passed down. Generation. Generation. Yeah. So I, I, me and me personally, I was born in um, born and raised in Jersey. I've been out here since 08. Um, my grandfather actually buried uh, Malcolm X. 
Wow. My father was a pallbearer for uh, Betty Shabazz when she passed, I believe, in the early 2000s, I believe that was. Betty Shabazz is Malcolm's wife. That's correct. Yeah. So uh, my grandfather buried Malcolm X, and due to that, um, due to- There's a great documentary on Malcolm X. Great. uh, On Netflix. Great. I'm on episode three right now. Yeah. He was unbelievable, man. Yeah. He certainly was. Great. So it- and it's and once you get through that, you're gonna find out that law enforcement had their hands involved in that though. Correct. Just like on ML, just like with MLK, the family settled with the CIA in the '90s or something. So that was. Then this is what I'm saying. I want to keep going because I can go on and on with this. There was you cannot discuss Black history without police involvement. You just can't. Sure. The, the lynches, the police were involved. Yep. Um, the bombing. The U.S. government was involved of a whole whole community, whereas we you can have wealth. Are you familiar with um, Ivanka's Trump husband, um, Jared Kushner? Okay, his it was either his grandfather or great grandfather. His father inherited was starting building twenties, nineteen twenties. Inherited twenty four hundred. Um, it was like twenty four hundred units. Okay, he's heavy in real estate. Sure. Yeah. So like twenty four hundred units. His father inherited that. Now, not taking aside, his, his family did the right thing with the wealth you're supposed to do. Now, you're you're well traveled. You know people. Um, you're probably not from here, and you know like-minded individuals. So, just how people can sometimes get jealous of people who inherit the stuff, there are other people who inherit the stuff and blow the money. But nobody's jealous of them. Right. <laughs> people <laughs> Absolutely are, not. People are just jealous of the guys who kept the money. Sure. So there's nothing wrong with his, hey, his, his grandfather, whoever it was, did the right thing and accumulated the units and used the laws that benefited him. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. So he inherited about um, 20, the father inherited 2,400 units. Fast forward, Jared Kushner has an estimated net worth of 800 million. Okay. But- at that same time, his grandfather accumulated these units. It was illegal for my grandparents to own property. Mm. It was illegal. The law, they couldn't own property in certain places. Um, the South was under Jim Crow. So therefore, um, my, grand, my great-grandfather, he uh, was living in South Carolina. Wherever he was at in South Carolina, it was illegal for a black person to own land. So every time he got money, he would buy uh, land in a place called Lumberton, North Carolina. Okay. He accumulated 200 acres. Okay. He accumulated 200 acres. He sold some of it to like a tobacco factory, um, to a tobacco factory to build. And he had um, a house because his thinking was, hey, look, as long as the family have, he had multiple houses on it that they built with his hands. As long as the family have somewhere to, to live, we'll be all right. You know, we don't have to depend on anybody else for anything. He died poor because at that time, a black person wasn't allowed to be rich. Wow. That was the law. You couldn't be rich. Sure. So even though, let's say that the tobacco company would have paid a white man probably five or ten times more, by law, I can only pay you this because you got all the money, man, you know? (laughs) You can accept somebody, you might end up hanging from a tree. Right. So, yeah, it's just that it's... And that's what you call systematic, um, systematic oppression, right? Yep. Like it's systematic done. It's systematically done. And I'm in real estate. I'm a full time real estate investor. It's two neighborhoods in Charlotte 
that I know of, right? Um, one of them being Dilworth. Now, if you know anything about this neighborhood in Charlotte called Dilworth, some of these houses, like a, some of these houses can go like a mil plus. Um, their appreciation over there was, was crazy. However, you find a house with the original deed, it will say, and I'm going to sum it up, no color person can stay here overnight unless they're working. 68 civil rights allegedly wiped that out on paper. Allegedly wiped it out on paper, but of course it was the mentality was still there for the people. Wow. So sometimes people say, hey, why don't you guys have anything? Why don't why why don't your parents and all this didn't pass anything down for generations like we have done over here? You couldn't weren't allowed. You weren't allowed to. Weren't allowed. So yeah. Important. This discussion, man, I, it's an important one, man. And, I, and I've just been reaching out to some of the best friends that I ever had. I grew up in hip-hop culture, man. I was raised I by hip-hop culture, bro. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I've been reaching back out to my best friends growing up. Talk to me about your experience. Where are you at? The, the common denominator is I need you and more white people to ask more questions to have more conversations, to call us up and to educate yourselves and start with us. We're your low-hanging fruit, right? We're the individuals that can, can teach more, you more and, and so on and so forth. Other than the conversations that we can have with our friends or the documentaries that we can watch to educate ourselves, what else can we do as, as white people to disassemble the white privilege? Okay, so, all right, basically, and let me just say this, um, it's definitely not all white people, right? Sure. So when I'm saying white people, we're just talking about the ones who maybe don't know, all right? Because the way I grew up and the way that some of my white counterparts grew up, they couldn't imagine, the, they, they just couldn't imagine like the police just throwing you to the ground in your own neighborhood, right. you know, violating your rights, you right. know, just ragging you up, smacking you up. They, they just can't imagine that, right? And um, we have no voice to speak on our behalf. I mean, right now, the way the conversation is going is like, we finally got to listen to ear. Like, hey, these guys um, are really, the, systematic racism is really a thing. The condition that these people are in today was systematically done. It was intentionally done. Yep. So in order for us to fix it, we have to intentionally fix it. Yep. In order to intentionally fix it, we have to just look at history, get ready to discuss it, and like they did yesterday, yo, we gotta push. We're gonna push this legislation, and, and, and on behalf of these people, we, sure. we just have to yeah. because at this point it's just out of hand. So as far as white people just listening, and I understand when I moved down here in 2008 in Charlotte, North Carolina. When I moved down here in 2008, I told my friends, "Hey, I understand that why white people don't believe us." When um, we talk about police brutality, when we talk about discrimination, um, especially police brutality one, because down here, when I got pulled over, I was actually doing something. I was speeding. You know, um, those things happen. It's like license, uh, license registration. All right, cool. Gave it to him. You know, if I fit the description down here, hey, you got any ID on you? Um, uh, like one time I was in my apartment conference. Hey, you got any ID on you? Um, they was, we got a call of somebody. I was like, no, I don't have them. I'm just um, going to the garbage. That's my car over there. He run my plates. Asked me my name, the apartment. All right, you can go. But 
in my environment where I grow in, oh, no, 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 the cops is not asking you anything. They taking everything they want. They're, wow. they're, they're going to throw you over to the ground. They're going to put your knee on your knee. That knee going to be on your neck, similar to George Floyd. That's, that's something they do up north. And then they'll start asking you questions why you can't talk. You know, but they're going to put, they're going to lay down the intimidation first. That's something they do first. So people who grew up, you know, um, in a predominantly white neighborhood, the cops were there to make sure that the laws were um, enforced, you know, and everything else, and everything was going orderly, right? And orderly conduct and everything was going right the way it's supposed to go. In my neighborhood, the cops was there to make sure we didn't break crime. So it was two different approaches. But, Unreal. you know, just far as what, you know, white, white, what, what white people can do is just basically just, you know, just um, listen. That's all it is. Continue to educate. Continue to have educate. the discussion. Have the discussion. Continue to, to, to protest. Correct, um, yeah. So right? A lot of white people. And keep the, keep yeah. the conversation and, and, and whatnot uh, at the forefront. We right. can talk about it all day. Right. Right? But for the gift of the show, people <laughs> have to know about you. And right. your story, man. Cool, cool. And you're a beast, just like your shirt says. Uh, you know, multi-million dollars, uh, port- real estate portfolio, sort of self-taught yeah. from what I can understand, which I love. Um, let's talk about the first the first things first. I believe in mindset. I believe in myopic singularity focus, man. Putting your mind on the ball, eye on the ball, and never removing it, it, it from the target. You talk about that at some points in some of your videos and whatnot, but who built sort of the engine that you have, the work ethic that you have, where did that come from right. um, before you know, you were, you've were you aged into where you are now in real estate? Okay, all right, so let, let me just say this. I wanna do a, uh, just, just correct you. I, I don't wanna say I'm self-taught. There were multiple people, all mo- white people, black people, um, Hispanic people who helped me. People help people who help themselves. Mm. I mean, and one one woman, uh, shout out to Lori, she's watching this, but one woman, um, we were partners. Uh, years later, I gave her a card and um, like a, uh, one of those Android pads and, or whatever the case may be. And she's like, a, a, she's like a hardcore Republican Trump supporter. Okay. All right? And <laughs> um, not racist at all, like yeah. at all. And she helped me so much. And she always told me, hey, yo, I just wish more people. She never said, like, one Pacific color. She just told my people in general. More people will get up and work like you want to work. Yeah. So it's uh, multiple people who helped me, and thanks to all those people. Um, I want to get to I just don't want, I wanted to correct you on the self-talk part. But as far as getting that mindset, I got I to give a lot to my, my father. Um, growing up, uh, my father would not let me quit anything. Okay. And I couldn't quit nothing. Uh, one time I um, dislocated my elbow, had to get surgery and all this. And um, I wanted to quit. Came home to mother and father and said, I ain't playing football no more. Not only did they make me continue playing football the following years, they made me go to practice. I couldn't practice, but I was still part of the team. They made me go to practice. They made me go to the games. Yeah. Next year, I was hoping, the following year, hoping that they forgot about everything. I didn't have to go out there. They made me go out there and play. Just having that mentality. So um, what really started there, I was never really, uh, I never read books. High school, college, graduate from college and everything. I never really read books. 
My mother passed at 97 uh, in 97 and my father remarried in 2000 and, and, and I don't have like like the uh, a sob story or anything. My father, we were we were middle class. It's just that the New Jersey is so expensive, you can still be middle class and still be in the hood. Right. Yeah, especially if you're black. You know, it's very segregated in New Jersey. Wow. You know, just very segregated. So anyway, with that being said, um, we, um, it's just my, my father had that mindset and I didn't know what he was placing into me at the time. Now as I'm older, I realize, you know, what he was placing into me. But I was about 26 working in the call center um, down here, making about $12 or something an hour. It was terrible. But wow. Talk to the site. Cold calling every day? That's your job? This was incoming. This was incoming calls. Incoming calls. Got but it. I was taking like 100 plus calls a day in this call center. It was terrible. And talked to the site director, told him what I was doing the side with buying rental properties. He said, man, you should read this book called Rich Dad Poor Dad. At this point, I realized that I was tired of listening to me because listening to me got me here. So let me read this book. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, man. That just that changed my life. Wow. 26. It's changed my life. And I learned about creative real estate. And when you say creative real estate, talk to me about what you mean by that. Basically buying and selling real estate with no money and no credit, not using realtors, not doing doing things out of the box, not the traditional way that we know about. Sure. So yeah. And I learned about that. And so that, Robert Kiyosaki opened up the matrix to you. There you go. Changed your life. Yeah, and you know how, like, when you put certain things in your mind, you attract certain people. Absolutely. I was reading the book out of calls, and this guy said, oh, you read, yeah, that's a good book. Yeah, man, I'm from Ohio. I was um in the RIA. I want, uh, RIA, what's that? A real estate investment association. They got one down here. I said, they do? I immediately joined the You RIA. were like a magnet. Yeah, I immediately joined it. And from meeting the people there, it was, it was on the podcast. Game was over. Yeah. And that was how long ago? You said 2008, so almost. Um, so I read that book 26, so I want to say that was like 2010. And then in 2012, I got fired from my job. Um, I was making 38 grand a year. That was the highest paying job I ever had. Making $38,000 a year. Fast forward to last year, we grossed about 1.9. So, yeah. All right, so fired from your job. Yeah. Okay, most people cannot deal with the discomfort of what it takes to to start a business and sustain not knowing what you're doing and and beginning a, an entirely new journey where you have no mastery starting at the bottom what was that time like in your life where you stepped out of your $38,000 call center job and moved into creative real estate i ain't going to say i stepped out i got pushed out you got pushed right I out i got pushed right out i kicked you right out <laughs> so um what it was man all right and I tell people this, I was your, okay, so your part-time hustle should soon become your full-time hustle. So basically, your five to nine should eventually turn to your nine to five. So I already knew I had my heart set. I've been wanting to be a real estate investor uh, since I was 19. So just how like somebody, a lot of people in my neighborhood, they wanted to be, you know, rappers, actors, et cetera. I wanted to be a real estate investor since I was 19, mm. literally. So with that being said, um, at that time, I was already doing a deal here and there. I just didn't have to do a full-time or a survival mode. When I got fired, it was the survive. It was straight up like, okay, so now I got to do this. 
So after getting back from my grandfather's funeral after being fired, um, the reason why they finally cut the puppet strings, I asked for some time off to go see my grandfather buried in Lumberton. All right. I was already on like third write up. So it was one of those fires that you knew was coming. Yeah. Like, you, yeah, 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 yeah. Not, you know I, mean? I, I knew it was coming. Only a matter of time. It was a matter of time. You know, it, it was stressful. Like every Friday, they bring me in the principal office. You know, I felt like a kid. You know, all right, this is your progress report. You know, I need you to improve. Like, okay, I got one more week. Then yeah, next yeah. Friday and so on. Until finally, they said, all right, this ain't working. All right, great. So, with that being said, um, they end up um, going to the funeral and came back. And I just knew I had to work, I knew what I had to do. I was already doing, but now it's full time. The worst thing people do is if they quit their job or get fired, come Monday morning, they're sitting at the table twiddling their thumbs. They don't get to work. They don't work. They don't get to work. And so you're already behind. That plan should have been in place. Yep. To to take action and do whatever you want to do. So me, after I got back from the funeral, let's say if it was a Monday, I just got back to work. It is what it is. So I got back to work and I had So who'd you tap into at that time? You needed someone to teach you real estate investing. Who I did was, you tap into? I was already learning. I already I already had the partner. So the person I was working with, um, we were just, all right, I'm full-time now, so let's go get some deals. Right. And First thing you did, start driving for dollars? Yeah, what, driving for dollars. Definitely was driving for dollars. And I already done deals, so I was buying lists at this point and mailing, um, and mailing homeowners, see if they're open to selling their property. And, um, okay, so I didn't tell my family that I got fired for September because I didn't want them to worry about me. Okay. Because sometimes family can bring doubt, but not like in an intentional, negative way. You want to protect you. Just want to protect you. Yeah. Like, hey, you're right, you need anything? No, I don't need anything. Grown man, I'll be all right. So with that being said, um, Got fired in September. That November, I made like 10 grand. So I'm ecstatic. That's when I tell people I got fired. Yeah, I got fired a few months ago. But don't worry, I made 10 grand. I made 10 grand. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be fine. So I was, at that point, that's when I told people. But it was just, I already had the knowledge. I already had the people around me. It's just, you know, leveraging those relationships full time now. So we talk about uh, embodying identity. So important, man, for you to really believe it. Right, because Absolutely. if you believe it, then yeah. every action you take is going to be in that direction. Absolutely. How did your identity shift, and how excited were you to tell somebody asked, "Hey, what do you do, man? I'm a real estate investor." Yeah. Was that empowering to Absolutely. where you were? Like, do you believe individuals who are shaping and shifting their identity have to 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 use their words and believe it truly internally for them to start attracting opportunities and attract the new reality that they're hoping for? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, you gotta believe it. I tell people all that, that that's the most important piece. I tell people, hey, look, all right, before we work on getting these external results, let's fix the internal you. Get into reading. I got heavy into self development at 26. Okay. Heavy into it. First would, book you read? You said what? What was the first self help book you read? Oh, uh, first, after Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it was Think and Grow Rich. Mm. Okay, Think and Grow Rich. And then um, I read both versions, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice, which is more relatable okay. to me. It's kind of crazy. Tim Ferriss, he said that book changed his life, Think and Grow Rich, The Black Choice. It was more relatable to me um, um, by Dennis Kimbrough, great author. And I read that, and those were like the first. And then I would just, you know, if they would recommend another book, get around people who read it, they recommend the book. So 
it was just um just I just got into it. I cut off cable for two years. Mm. Cut off cable for two all years. All in. Yeah, I was, I was all in. I I need a life change, man. I could be in the call center, man, or working a job. I looked at people. I'm still in my twenties, so I'm uh, at that time. I'm looking at people five, ten years, twenty, thirty years my senior, and I'm like, yo, I don't want that. Sure. That's not what I ever envisioned for my life. In my household, it was, you know, I grew up inside my household. Be proud of who you are. You can be anything you want. Martin Luther King said, um, "Be the best at whatever it is you do." You know, I, I'm my parents are great from a kid. Sure. You know, um, engraving this into my mindset. So I, 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 the only limitations I had were self limitations that I put on myself. It wasn't from my parents or anything like right, that. Right. It was just some limitations that I put on myself. So with that being said, um, I, I just had to, you know, get into the self development. It's extremely important. Okay. It's really you. You just have to do that piece. Have to get in the reading now. When I was reading, um, I started reading back, so 26, that was like 11 years ago or so, they had the books on CDs. That was a thing at the time. I don't know if you youngsters know what the CDs are, but <laughs> cars used to come with those CD players. Yeah. <laughs> so they had the books on CDs. So I used to um, listen to the books on CDs, um, going to work. There was a few podcasts around. It wasn't a common word at that time. Sure. Few podcasts around. But now, fast forward, Audible. It's right on your phone. You can just listen to books if you don't have time to read. But just correcting that internal piece is extremely important. So, for example, this was just going to give you an example. I got this cup. It says, keep going, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what this cup says on the outside. Um, if I put a hole in the bottom of this cup and put a Band-Aid there, right? It's a temporary fix. And put water in there. The water's still going to come out. Yep. I have to fix this cup, completely fix this cup, get it molded back together, and so that the water that goes, that gets poured into it, stays in there. So instead of using that word water, let's say positive energy, yep. stays in there. If there's a hole in the bottom, it doesn't matter what this says on the outside. If there's a hole in the bottom of it, the positive energy will just flow out and won't stay in the body, man. So you got to correct that internal piece. What do you use to keep your, your positive energy tank full? Uh, now, um, while I'm working, watch um, positive YouTube um, interviews. Sure. Videos. Certain people I definitely follow. Shout out to my man, Max Maxwell, personal friend of mine. And um, What you guys are doing together is, is monumental, man. Thanks, yeah. Me, him, Chris Jefferson out there in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, good people. Is and, he the uh, subject two guy? Um well, they all do subject too, but no, Chris Jefferson, he he, he wholesales, but he does. He's a builder out of Richmond, um, Virginia area. Um, I kind of made a slight comment. Uh, I was going to tell him about it. It was a joke. I never been anything nicer than this, but his studio is pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Yours is nice, you know what I mean. But Max stuff is nice, you know, it's really nice. But anyway, um, with that being said, um, yeah, just being around watching Eric Thomas, a hip hop preacher. Sure. You know, you have all these um, new motivational speakers and following on my, my IG feed and my Facebook feed, I got like-minded individuals. So I get positive energy Pouring from that into you, yeah. and inspirational stuff. Inky's that guy, man. Yeah. Inky Johnson. I like Inky guy. Johnson. I like Inky Johnson. And um, um, guys like, you know, Wild 267 and all that, just getting that positive energy into you because just having your social media feed with Positivity is important. And I try to explain that to people. You can't have 
if you're a woman with all these, uh, if you're a woman user, it's not good to follow other woman, women who you feel is perfect. All right. Sure. I don't know if you know about what's going on, but it's like women are looking at these other women who have surgeries and then tell them, hey, I'm working out. Come buy this drink. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and women are looking at these other women and getting this surgery, not necessarily for men. It's just because it's messing with them internally. Sure. And for men, the same thing. You following these guys who rent Royce Royces and all this and put their lifestyle on IG, or you just have half-naked women coming down your feed. You have half-naked women coming down your feed, you're putting that into your mind. What happens when you put that into your mind? Then you're going you're gonna to speak that and then you're going to act upon that. Sure. We have to focus your energy into whatever goals you want to achieve. So just having that feed with positivities, man, is extremely important, man, for both sexes. Great, great message. Yeah. Um, as we round this thing out, it's been amazing to dive into it, man. Where, where, where are you headed now? You've, you've gotten to a place where I'm sure conceptually you always said you wanted to be, but you're kind of at the place where in 2008, 2012, you wanted to be. So where are you going now? Um, I mean, at this point, and we had this conversation in my group chat, at this point, I still want to, uh, I'm still going from transitioning to, you know, taking that seven-figure gross to a seven-figure net. Okay. All right, that's important. I want to get that done. But I want to get into development, man. Wow, all right. And I want to get in development. I want to just basically move up in the real estate ranks. Just, you know, get into the, everything I've been doing thus far for the past 13 years since I've been involved in real estate has been residential. So I just want to step up, get into commercial stuff, get into holding apartment buildings and things of that nature, man. But it's just all about growth and just, you know, moving up in the ranks and making things happen. Do you have a time when you're trying to, to put that down? you have a benchmark where you're trying to make Absolutely. that happen? Absolutely. You got to put... Um, uh, date, dates and times on goals, you know, absolutely. But, you know, I definitely have um, a three-year time period for the um, apartment complexes that accumulate uh, multiple. But however, on the development thing, I'm working on that now as we speak. It's not just me talking. I just, I'm actually working on getting, putting the things in place and, you know, have, getting the connections, man. And I actually, I'm a part of a development mastermind, man. It's, you think stuff, it happens. Uh, yep, 100%. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I have to say, man, I'm completely inspired by you. I Getting myself into the real estate investment game as we speak, and the first individual I asked, I said, who's the guy doing it in Charlotte? And they directed me to you. And, and after, after doing my own research and, and downloading myself on everything you're doing, I'm just extremely impressed and honored to, to bring you on the show, man. Thanks, it's been man. fantastic. And... Thanks. I hope we can continue to keep this discussion of Black Lives Matter at the forefront, as well as if at any point I can swing over and say, hey, look, some investment questions. What are your thoughts, right? Yeah, We're no, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So. yeah, hit me up, man. You got any questions, man? But yeah, you know, I, this is something I've been dedicated to. I mean, my, my mom marched with MLK, you know, during the 60s. Amazing. And when I say march with MLK, I meant in days when I like, say, hey, we're marching. Like she would, you know, they would skip school and go out there and march. Right. Like, this stuff, my family actually are for progress. They've been for progress. So it's just something that was just handed down to me, man. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, um, man, I grew up calling grandpa Barry Malcolm X. The reason he had to bury Malcolm X, yeah, yes, he was Muslim. However, um, at that time, there was basically that warning sent out. You better not, nobody better not bury him. Nobody better not doing that. But, but my family, they're just not scared people. Sure. You know, so... 
he, he did the burial for the family. That's amazing. I saw that burial in, in the documentary Correct. Uh, on, on Netflix. Yeah. Man, Nas, it's an honor to have you on the show. I'm impressed uh, by everything you've got going on. Um, where can people find you who are watching the show who might not have heard of you yet? Where can they find you? Where are you spending most of your time online? Okay, so online you can find me on IG, uh, Real Estate Duru. Um, that's Duru, D-O-R-U. I call myself the Duru because I'm not a guru. I actually do this business. Some gurus just sell stuff. I don't just sell stuff. I, be honest with you, I don't sell anything right now. Um, but houses, I actually do this business. So therefore, you know, I'm a Duru. So IG, Real Estate Duru. Um, YouTube, Real Estate Duru. The blog, realestateduru.com. The Facebook group, if you have any real estate questions or want to learn about real estate, the Facebook group is Wholesaling with the Duru. Killed it. <laughs> Guys, I'm honored to have him here. Uh, go give him some love. Subscribe to that YouTube. He's always putting out educational content uh, and is killer. Uh, and thank you so much, Nas, for coming into the show. All right, you're welcome, man.